This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for September 7, 2012. The Gospel is taken from the book of Mark, chapter 7, verses 24 through 37. The message is by Father Ron Baird. In this morning's Gospel lesson from Mark, we have two of the more interesting stories about ministry from Jesus' life. He has been traveling in along the coastal region in northern what we or northern Israel and probably parts of southern Lebanon, um, and the area that they call the part of the Decapolis, which was actually much bigger than that, spread into the inner lands, but but um, where Tyre and Sidon and those places were. And he's been proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God being at hand to all of the Jews in that place. And so he says as he travels down near the region of Tyre. He goes into a house, and he says, don't tell anybody I'm here. Now, why do you think he didn't want anybody to know he was there? Yeah, I mean, he wanted a break. Well, apparently leaks are a new thing because <laughs> it didn't take very long before word got out, and, and here it goes out through the community. And then this Syrophoenician woman shows up. Now, that's remarkable in a number of ways. First of all, she's a Gentile, and she shows up at a Jew's home. Now, for the Jew, that technically made their home not clean. Doesn't mean they hadn't dusted. It means ritually unclean. And even more so, women in that day, particularly in Jewish culture, did not speak to men who were not their husbands or their you know, children or relatives of some sort. And they certainly never spoke to them without their husband being present, her father. So... When she goes in by herself and starts begging Jesus to do this, this is like a major deal. You know, I mean, it's a scandal. And on top of that, the Jews didn't like the Syrophoenicians because very often in, in earlier times they had been part of the oppressors of the Jews. This current time it happens to be the, the Romans, but you know, the Jews got oppressed by a lot of different groups along the way. And so they don't really like Syrophoenicians. So this is really sort of a, a very um, bold act on the part of this woman and is really violating all social mores of the time. And, and so she comes up to Jesus and begs him to heal her daughter of a demon that possessed her. And Jesus gives an interesting response. He says, it wouldn't be right to give the food meant for the children to the dogs. Now, can you imagine the Twitterverse going wild with that one? That would just ruin his chance for re-election, wouldn't it, or election, either one. I mean, that, that's not a very nice thing to say, is it? I mean, essentially saying, look, I'm here to help out the good people. You, you, you're a dog. I mean, I don't do that. And to us, that's shocking. To the Jews there, they would have said, yeah, that's right. Now, he's Jewish, like, you shouldn't even be here. But to us, it's like, how can he take this woman who's in need and, and treat her so, you know, cruelly as, as to say that, you know, it's not right to give the bread of, for the children to the dogs. But there's more going on here, what, what meets the eye. And so the woman, because Jesus already knows what's in her heart, she doesn't care what he calls her, does she? And so she takes what he says in calling her a dog, supposedly, and says, but even the dogs get to lick up the crumbs under the master's table. 
Now, can you imagine that? After somebody puts you in your place, condescends towards you, humiliates you in front of all these people, that you, you know, agree with them and say you're right. And it's because of this faith that Jesus says, Go, your faith has made her well. Now, I have to say, Jesus undoubtedly knew what was in her heart already. So when he is saying this, I doubt if he's saying this for her benefit. He's probably saying it for the benefit of the Jews that are around. Because if he had just said, oh, sure, you know, no problem, where is she? I'll go there and do this. It would have created a huge scandal. But he wants them to understand a bigger lesson. And what's interesting is that she goes home, it says, and finds her daughter lying upon the bed and the demon had left her, which is an interesting way of putting it. Um, because in the Greek, the word is not lying upon the bed. The, the word is strewn upon the bed. Now, what would that imply to you? Yeah, that it, he didn't just go, okay, you know, I'm gone. <laughs> that he, 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 you know, it basically convulsed and it was a very traumatic experience and she collapsed upon the bed. But the demon was gone. But what's even more interesting about this woman is... What would you have said if Jesus had called you a dog or compared you to a dog and then turned around and said, okay, go, your face made you well, made your daughter well? What would be your first response? Would you say thanks? Wouldn't you be wondering, well, aren't you going to come and see her or, or do anything? You know, my guess is she thought that, that he had blown her off, you know. I'm not going to be here. Yeah, she's fine. Go ahead, go. All the way home, as she walked, she must have thought, I should have known better. I should have known that the Jews wouldn't do anything to help us. And you can imagine the other Jews in the area going, yeah, he told her, didn't he? She got hers, got what she deserved. Those Phoenician people, they're terrible. And then they find out, though, that she's been healed. Simply because he said, your faith has made her well. Now, all of a sudden, everything that they know has been turned upside down. Because, you see, the Jews have always been the chosen people of God. And like a lot of chosen people, they tend to feel privileged as a result of that. Now, you can't beat them up too much about it because we live in America, for crying out loud. You don't think we feel privileged, you know, that, that we have a right to a wonderful life? You know, of course we do. Matter of fact, for those of us in my generation and, and the next generations, they don't even know anything different. I get tickled sometimes because, you know, they call this the Great Recession. And, and admittedly, it's much worse than it has been. But do you realize that compared to most of the world, we are like uber wealthy? I mean, most of the world has mud floors, dirt floors, and, and grass roofs. Most of the world lives off of a dollar a day. You know, could you do that, $365 a year? And yet they survive, and, and they actually have um, parties, and they're happy, and they even enjoy life. They're not sitting around just being glum and, and miserable all the time. But in America, because we, we've always had this in our mind, when it's not quite as good as it was, we moan and bewail and how terrible things are. And we forget that 
there's no guarantee in life that we are privileged. You know, so we have a right to prosperity, and we forget where the blessings of our life really come from. You know, the founding fathers looked at this country and believed that it was God-blessed, that God d- deeply inspired the people of this country and this land itself to bring like the, the promised land, like the New Jerusalem, where the, the, there was a land flowing with milk and honey, where people could really work hard and get ahead and really prosper. They saw this as an incredible blessing upon anybody who was fortunate enough to be in this country. And how often do we take it for granted and forget who the one who blesses us is? And so... It, would be unfair to look at the Jews in this situation and act like, well, these are terrible people. No, they're pretty much like us. They're normal people. They're looking at the norms of their day and living those out. But what did the woman do that was different? And that's what's fascinating. The difference with the woman is that she didn't have that entitlement kind of mentality, did she? And she didn't say, well, you know, if you're a loving God, then, then you'll take care of my daughter. No, she humbled herself. You know, she she said, I'll go as low as you need for me to go. I don't care. I want my daughter to be freed from this demon. And it's her humility and her willingness that causes her daughter to be well. It moves Jesus in such a powerful way that he doesn't see faith like that every day. Instead, he sees people chasing after him. You know, and so for the woman to do this is exactly what the prophets of old have been saying. God will not despise a humble and contrite heart. That's exactly what she had. Her heart was broken and nothing mattered except for one who could help. And as a result, her daughter was healed. Well, before they find out about all that, the other other people in the room, another person comes in with some people bringing him. This man is is deaf and mute. You can almost see Jesus going, well, there goes the day off. I mean, (laughs) I knew it. Minute word gets out. Everybody's here. I'm not doing anything. You know, and so here he is in this person. And they're all begging him, please, please help this man. Help this man. You know, he can't hear. He can't speak. It's been terrible. You know, help him. And so Jesus does something really interesting with this man that we we get past um, the immediate thing he does and go immediately to the spit. We always like that. It's more interesting. But the first thing he does is he takes him off in private. Now, isn't that interesting? The thing he did with the Syrophoenician woman, he did with everybody watching. Now he's not interested in teaching them about that. He's already made his point. And he takes this guy off by himself. And so once they get away from everybody, here the man is, and he can't hear, and he can't speak. And so Jesus, you know, is sitting here looking at him, and he takes his fingers and he sticks them in his ears. Now, what would you do if somebody did that to you? Isn't that a little weird? Not to mention, actually, you'd probably be wondering if your ears were clean, but... <laughs> He sticks them in his ears. And, and imagine that. If you can't hear and you can't, you know, speak or anything, what do, what do you do to be terrified? You know, what is he going to do to me? 
And then, because he probably had some idea what was going on, but the people who were there, you know, they were the ones who could who heard the stories about Jesus and did all that. He couldn't understand those things. And so Jesus sticks his fingers in his ears and then takes his fingers back out of his ears. I looks at it and goes, huh. And so then he spits on his finger. Now, again, if you're the man sitting here, what do you think? Wouldn't you be going, well, I didn't know you were going to stick your finger in my ear. I would have cleaned them better. I mean, wouldn't that be strange? He spit on his finger. And then he reaches out and he takes the spit and the wax that's on his finger and touches your tongue with it. I'm sure you'd be thrilled, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be good? Boy, I'm glad I came here today. <laughs> Anybody want to come up? We'll try it. <laughs> I mean, it's the, the most bizarre kind of thing. And, and for this man who really can't communicate with the outside world very well, it's got to be terrifying because he's here by himself with this guy. And yet the most remarkable thing happens because what happens next is it says Jesus looks up to heaven and does what? Not yet. Something else happens first. Did you hear that? He sighed. Now that's what the NRSV translates it as. It says he sighed. The Greek says he groaned. Now why do you groan? Frustration? That'll make you groan, won't it? What else? Last effort? You know, you're running out of energy? Don't have, have all, give it all you got, that's all you do? What else? Unhappiness? Pain? Impatience? None of these are good things, are they? But it says Jesus groaned. Now, we don't know if he groaned because it was his day off. But I suspect that he really groaned because of the plight of the world and how broken and how this man become, has become a symbol for what the world is like. That they don't even know the kingdom of God is before them. And they're either blind or deaf or mute. And they can't proclaim it. And then he looks up to heaven and he groans. And you can almost hear him thinking, oh God. Yeah, what is, how many of these are there? And then he looks right at the man and he says, Epatha, which means be open. And it says, suddenly, immediately, the man's ears were opened. Now, have you ever, when I was a kid, I had wax that would build up in my ears. I had very small ear canals. And so my parents always had to wash out my ears with syringes and stuff. And sometimes even that didn't work because the wax would get so hard that it would almost form a plug, and I'd have to go to an ENT, have it taken out. And I can still remember this day going to see the doctor and, and have it be a normal day, and I could, you know, hear things, what I thought was normally. And then after he had gotten the wax out, walking outside and just thinking, oh, man, because it sounded so loud. The cars and the wind and the, I mean, everything was just amplified. Imagine what it would be like if you couldn't hear anything. And like that, the world turns on. It's sort of like when the TV comes on, you know, and it's on real high volume. 
and it startles you. But even more remarkable than that is that it says he can speak plainly. Now think about this. This is a man who's mute. And how, how do you learn to speak? Hmm? Trial and error? Have you ever tried to talk to a two-year-old? Yeah, talk to her. That's what she's doing. You, you practice, don't you? That's what they do. They practice. They, they, they watch. And they watch how you move your mouth and try to figure out what you're doing. And then they try to make a sound that's kind of like that. And, and, and they do it over and over and over and over and over again. And until finally we end up with this thing we call speech. And yet this guy can speak plainly immediately. But, I mean, what's remarkable about it is if you look at, at children when they're growing up, they can't speak immediately like that. I mean, it, it, they pick up words, don't they? And then they don't have other words. I remember when John was real young, one of those things he'd go, he'd go, Don Chain, Don Chain. Well, for a long time we were trying to figure out what a Don Chain was. And, and we were having a hard time. My wife's smarter than I. She was the one that figured it out. And, and what we did get out of it, though, is he meant, that's mine. You know, a little kid say, mine, mine. John never said mine. He goes, John Chain, John Chain. And I couldn't figure out, what in the world does Don Chain mean? How does that work? And finally, Judy figured out, it's John's thing. Now, he also said that a vacuum cleaner was a doot doot da And I don't know why he said that. And by the time he was old enough, I could really ask him about it. He'd never remember saying it, so I may never know. But if you figure it out, please let me know because it's been driving me crazy for 15 years. So, um, the vacuum cleaners were doo-doo. But, I mean, that's what they do. They practice until they can speak. And even people who have been uh, deaf from birth and haven't learned to speak, who aren't even necessarily mute in that there's something you know, stopping their tongue from doing it, they can't hear the sounds. And so the, the speech is different. But this man spoke plainly, it said. You see, Jesus didn't just open his ears and loosen his tongue. He made him whole to where he could hear and see and speak the word of God and the kingdom of God that was all around him. He was changed completely. You know, and, and it wasn't a simple thing. All because he spit. Now, why do you think Jesus did it that way. Why didn't he do like he did with a woman? Okay, your face made you well. Your ears are open. Everything's fine. Hmm? I don't know how deep has it got to be. <laughs> That's my promise. I can't measure it. But, but I mean, why would he go through all this? To do it. Well, you have to drop back a minute and think about it. what is in spit? Water? Mm-hmm. And in our society, if somebody spits on you, it's not a good thing. But think about this. When Jesus spits and put it on, puts it on, his, on this man's tongue, what did he actually give him? 
part of himself. And he was whole. And this saliva that was Jesus helped to make him whole. Because the permeation of the Son of God. That's why Jesus in John says, I am the bread of life. Whoever does not eat my flesh or drink my blood does not have life in them. But if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you will live forever. Because he lives forever. And so if, if we can lose ourselves to Christ, then we have hope to be made whole, just like this man was. And so in some ways, this wax and, and, and spit are very much like Jesus, aren't they? The wax representing the human condition and the spit, the divine, in two natures. And so he makes him whole, just as we are called to be made whole. Now to get back to the, to the groaning, one of the things that we forget about is that we seem to think that Jesus just sort of has his power and walks around and goes zap, 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 you know. Oh, yeah, and sometimes he, you know, throws in a spit or something here, you know, spits in the mud, makes sticks in your eye. I mean, things like that just to make it interesting along the way, like it's a traveling road show, and that he never gets tired, he never deals with it. But if you remember, remember um, earlier in the summer when I was on vacation, there was a lesson about the woman who had a flow of blood, and when she touched him, he didn't know because she was in a crowd, and he said, who, who touched me? Because he felt the power go forth from him. He could tell. He could feel it. And so that's what the groan is actually about. This groan of, of God surrendering himself for the life of the world. In this case, just one man. But the day would come when it would be all of us. And it wouldn't just be spit that was spilled. It would be blood and water that was given for everyone. And so he then goes and tells the man, don't tell anybody what I did. Now, think about that if you're this guy. Let's see, I can hear everybody now, and I can speak 